Um, I don't know about you, but my week was busy, and I feel like Sam and I are straight back into that, you know, real busy, normal routine. We uh, had such a good time. Well, lockdown was interesting for us, but there were some definite wins that we wanted to desperately hold on to coming out of lockdown, and some of them we have, and some of them we haven't. You know, um, I think that Family dinners have definitely been a win. We have way more family dinners now than we ever used to, and probably more intentional with family time. The bike rides are not so good. Um, we, during lockdown, I think we went for bike rides kind of uh, maybe like every second day as a family, which was amazing, and I think since level two, Sam might have done one short one with Emma, um, but they've kind of fallen off the wagon, so that's our holiday goals, is some family bike rides. But I hope you guys have all had a good week. Um, my daughter Emma, she came home the other day and she was really excited to tell me that her teacher at school had just got engaged. And um, for every girl, that's amazing. I still remember when I was a little girl uh, and I was at school, I think I was, I don't know, year two or something, and my teacher had just gotten married. And she actually bought her wedding dress in and tried it on for all of us. And us girls were like so excited. So anyway, <laughs> Emma was super excited to tell me that her teacher had got engaged. And she told me the story. She said, Mum, my teacher's boyfriend won a um, Skywalk experience. And her teacher was kind of scared of heights. But they went to the Sky Tower. They did the Skywalk. She faced her fears. And then at the end of it, he proposed. And she of course, said yes. And so I thought, well, that's a pretty memorable um, proposal. That's pretty good. And, you know, I'm, it reminded me that I'm kind of a, a feet-on-the-ground kind of girl. I'm not planning on ever doing a bungee jump, skywalk, I don't know, maybe. But it reminded me when um, Sam and I, years ago, went to uh, Gold Coast and we went to Dreamworld. And we were doing a bunch of rides and then we came to the giant drop. And I don't know if you've ever done the giant drop. Maybe it's not that scary, but for me, I thought, man, that thing's pretty high. They say it's 39 stories, I think. And so anyway, up we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so we get on and, you know, going up is fine. Like, it's just kind of gradual. You're just gently going up, looking at the scenery, looking out. But you know in the back of your head that what goes up must come down, right? And so we get to the top and they just leave you there for ages while you're just waiting and waiting for this drop to call, to happen. So I start saying my prayers. I'm like, oh God, forgive me for, you know, just in case this is it. And then next minute, boom, we're on the ground and my stomach is still up there somewhere and it's over and Sam's like, let's do it again. And I'm like, let's not, you know. We came, we conquered, we're done, but we did it again. We did it again anyway. And you know, fear, it's a real thing. And we all have fears in different areas, don't we? Some of us, you know, for many kids, they're scared of the dark. For many of us, we fear the future. We might fear what people think or what people are saying about us. We might fear sickness or death or health issues. We can have fear of certain things, phobias. The list goes on and on. And the thing is, fear uh, can be good and it can be bad. Like there's that healthy fear which stops us from doing stupid things or being reckless. But then there is the fear that holds us in bondage and actually stops us from living life how God wants us to live our life. You know, we're all, um, every single one of us, have come through a pandemic, or we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm so thankful to be in New Zealand where, you know, we're pretty safe here. The cases are minimal, the death toll's really low, but for many parts, most of the rest of the world, they're still just in the middle of it. There's a long way to go. And so that's created a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety for many people. It just, you know, a few days ago, a week or so ago, we lost one of our own police officers right in our backyard. Tragic. 
It causes fear. It causes uncertainty. And I don't want to mitigate those feelings because they are real and they are what we have to live with day in and day out. But what I do want to say is that we serve a God that is greater than all our fear. We serve the creator of the universe. Amen. No pandemic is too hard for him. He is greater than any natural disaster, than anything that we are gonna face in our future, and we can confidently put our trust in him. I don't know about you, but I do face fears. I face, um, when I get up in the morning, I fear that, uh, oh gosh, what do I fear? I fear so many things, but I fear what people might think of me and what people will say about me, and that stops me from living the life I know that God has for me. I fear that if I let go of myself, if I give up my time or my resource or my love, that somehow my life is gonna be less, even though I know in my head it's gonna be more. I fear that if I don't keep my house really clean, that my world is gonna spin out of control. And I'm pretty sure that's legit, that will happen. But you know, we all have these different fears that we face. And God knew that because fear not is the most repeated command in the Bible. And I love that God knew the battle that we would face. So he repeats it over and over and over. Fear not, do not be afraid. I am with you, be strong and courageous. And we can take confidence in that. The antidote to fear is faith. In fact, faith is the opposite of fear. I wanna live my life and make my decisions based out of faith and not fear. And that's what God wants for each one of us. I wanna step out and stand out for God. And you know, God has a destiny of confidence and faith for every single one of us that he wants us to step into. He doesn't want us to you know, feel like we have to shrink back. He doesn't want us just to survive. He wants us to thrive, to be confident, to fully be able to trust in him and know that his plans for us are plans for good and not for evil, to live with a fearless kind of faith. And so that's what I wanna look at this morning. There's a story in Matthew 15 of a woman who had this kind of fearless faith. It's an amazing story. And so we're gonna get to that. But before we do, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you that, Lord, if we have come here today with fear in our hearts, that you're gonna set us free. I thank you that you have faith on the rise and that we can step into all that you have for us. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come that you'd speak to us, that you would move, that you'd do a work this morning in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's have a look at this passage. Matthew chapter 15, you can turn to it if you want or follow it on the screen. It's a story of a desperate parent. Desperation and love can drive us to do crazy things um, that we would never normally do, and that's what we see in this passage so as Jesus was resting from his heavy schedule in a non-Jewish region, he encountered a desperate mum. Let's read from verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that very moment. 
this lady, this mum, was distressed. She was worried. She was anxious. She was desperate. And it's no wonder her, demon, her daughter was demon-possessed. I mean, I thought that my kids have had a few demons from time to time, you know. <laughs> but actually, like, this lady, her daughter was actually demon-possessed. And I can't imagine living with that. I can't imagine what she must have gone through, the agony, the anguish. Her heart must have broken every day. And so she comes to Jesus with this absolute desperation. And in the Passion Translation, it actually says that she screamed out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. And no wonder, because the stakes were so high for her. And, you know, then it kind of gets interesting because It's not the usual response that we see from Jesus here. The Bible says that he didn't answer her a word. He acted like he didn't even hear her. But what we need to see here is that despite what it looked like, Jesus wasn't ignoring the woman. He wasn't being mean. It was more like he could see a rare treasure of beauty inside of her, and he was both testing her and patiently digging it out. And I love that image. I love that that is exactly what Jesus does for each one of us. He sees inside you and inside me a rare treasure of beauty that maybe no one else can see, but he can see it. And he gradually just tests us and digs it out until it comes out of us. And I love that so much. Meanwhile, if his disciples were being tested on compassion, they failed miserably. (laughs) This woman knew that she had no right to ask this Jewish man to help her. She knew that she had no basis for expecting him to respond, but, and I love those but God moments, but she had heard that Jesus was a miracle worker, that he was mighty and compassionate, and she was desperate. So she carries on with her quest. Jesus is silent. The disciples are urging him to send her away. What does she do? Verse 25, we see that she came and she knelt before him with humility and with reverence. And she said, Lord, help me. How many times have I prayed that prayer? How many times have you prayed that prayer? Lord, help me. And then watch this. Jesus spoke to to the woman and said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. What? What kind of statement is that? Because on the surface, it sounds like he's insulting her and calling her a dog. But if you look a little deeper, and this lady did, she would have fully known what he was saying. The Jews were the children and the Gentiles were the dogs. Everybody knew that. It was common language back then. They were in, the Jews saw God's blessing as a children's bread. It was for them. They were in his kingdom and the, Gentile dogs were the, outs- the Gentiles were the outsiders. But here's where it gets interesting. There are two Greek words for the word dog. And Jesus doesn't use the Greek word that means some stray dog or you know, some kind of scavenger dog. He uses the Greek word that means little dog or kind of like a family pet. So rather than totally insulting the woman, he was actually giving her a glimmer of hope, and she latched onto it. She'd already figured out that silence didn't necessarily mean no, especially when Jesus hadn't specifically told her to go away. And now when he uses the word for a pet dog, she sees the door open just a little crack, but that was like an open door for her. Her foot was in there quick as a flash, and she took it. You've got to give it to this woman, don't you? She is courageous, yeah. she is persistent, and she is smart. I like her. She realized that a pet dog has a master. So she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. See, stray dogs, they have to fend for themselves and find their own food, right? But not pet dogs. Pet dogs get fed by their master. And so she's saying, Jesus, you are that master. Yeah. And she also understood that 
Anyone who has a pet dog or maybe a different kind of pet kind of understands that in general, the food that falls onto the floor is their domain, right? They generally come and eat that food, they get those crumbs, and if they um, maybe like make that puppy dog eye contact or plead or beg or whine, then those crumbs might fall just a little bit faster. This Canaanite woman was willing to beg and make pleading eye contact as she watched for a crumb to fall. She was so convinced about the power of Jesus to heal and set people free that she knew she only needed a crumb's worth. She didn't need a whole loaf. She didn't need a whole slice. She didn't need what was rightfully the Jews. All she needed was just one small little crumb of Jesus' power, and that would be enough for her. That would be enough to get her miracle. So she's waiting for that crumb of his blessing. She believed the tiniest crumb of what Jesus had was more than enough to heal her daughter. And that's when Jesus says those beautiful words for all the world to read. Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed. Wow, I love that. I love the story. I love this lady and her fearless, courageous, persistent faith. And we've got to remember, she wasn't a Jew. She wasn't brought up with knowledge of the Messiah and the scriptures. So she just heard about him. So for the little amount of light and truth that she had, her faith was truly great. And it took every ounce of that faith to go to Jesus and to persist until she got her miracle. She didn't let fear of failure or fear of what others would say stop her. She had fearless faith, and that fearless faith got her the result that she desperately needed. Not only was her daughter healed, but she encountered Jesus. She met the Messiah, now her Lord and her Savior. And it's that faith that I want to focus on for a little while. Hebrews 11 verse 1, I'm sure you all know it, says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, by dictionary definition, is the complete trust in someone or something. And so for us, it means complete trust in God, that God is who he says he is, and that what he can do, he will do. It is not a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. It is a discipline. It's a discipline, and it's something that we can grow in. It's really important that we get that, because I think so often we live our lives based on how we feel, but unfortunately, our feelings are just feelings. What we need to do is train ourselves to to grow in these areas, and faith is one of those. There were only two people that Jesus praises specifically for their faith, and they were the Roman centurion and this woman. And both of them were Gentiles. Neither of them were Jews. They heard about Jesus, they believed, they grew in faith, and they got their miracles. And so it's definitely something that we can grow in as well. So what did this woman do that made her someone of such great faith? And how can we step into that kind of fearless faith, especially in our world today, which is uncertain, which is full of fear? How can we have this kind of faith and live that out? Well, I want to have a look at four things that we see out of the story that we can do as well. And the first thing is that she worshipped. She came and she worshipped. Our leading lady knelt before Jesus and worshipped with her simple prayer of, Lord, help me. She, um, some versions say that she knelt. Some versions say she worshipped. It's kind of used interchangeably. But worship increases our faith and touches the heart of God. 
when we lift our hands, when we lift our voices, when we lift our hearts and we come before him and worship, not only does it increase our faith, but it actually connects us with the heart of God. In fact, worship is the gateway to faith. And then I love that this lady, she knelt down. You know, she didn't just worship him. She actually had a posture of worship by kneeling down. And that's something that we've been hearing a bit about lately from the last couple of weeks from Pastor Tark, that we need to be people that learn to get comfortable with kneeling. And it's, um, I guess it's just a posture that we can have that says, God, here I am. I'm all yours. I'm fully dependent on you. I cannot do it on my own. And I really believe that it's a key. I'm trying to in- incorporate it in my life every day if I can, that I get on my knees, whether it's at home when I'm praying on my own or in a service or in a prayer meeting. It's a little uncomfortable, sure. You feel a bit funny sometimes, but honestly, it's worth it. Sometimes we just have to make decisions that now I'm gonna do this because I'm trusting God that you're gonna see my heart. And even as I was on my knees this morning, I felt the presence of God. You know, I felt his heart on my life. And it's just, I think it's just going that extra step, you know? So she came and she worshiped and she knelt. But before this lady worshiped, Jesus was silent when she cried out for mercy. He didn't even answer her. What do we do when Jesus is silent? What do we do when we're asking God for a miracle? We're asking for an answer. We're asking for a word of wisdom. We need something so bad, but it feels like no one's listening. It feels like heaven is silent. What do we do when we pray and we pray and we get no response? It's at those times that we need to learn from this lady and we need to come and worship. Maybe kneel and say, okay, God, I don't know what's going on. I know that you're real. I don't know where my answer is, but I choose to worship you. I choose to trust you. Amen. Well, just missed my mouth. (laughs) Number two, the second thing we see in this lady and in this example is that she had great persistence. She pushed through. This mother didn't give up even when it must have felt like she was hitting a brick wall. Her love for her daughter and her confidence in Jesus' ability to heal would not let her give up. Her pain was greater than her pride. And I love that she didn't just come for her own needs. She actually came and stood in the gap on behalf of her daughter. Now, her daughter was very close to her, obviously, and it would have affected her life hugely. But she came standing in the gap for someone else. Maybe you're coming standing in the gap for one of your sons or one of your daughters or someone close to you, and you're, you're coming with faith, you're coming with love on behalf of them. I wanna tell you, as you add persistence, don't give up, keep going. God is gonna move, just like he did for this lady. I love that. The Bible is full of stories about persistence. The friend at midnight, the um, woman with the issue of blood, the widow and the unjust judge, just over and over there's these stories of persistence. And the Bible also talks about pray with persistence, pray without ceasing. We've all heard of push, P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. And um, persistence develops faith. James 1.3 says that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. So as our faith is tested, we learn to persevere, we learn to persist. The more we persist, the more our faith grows. It's like this cycle. Faith says keep going, don't give up, believe the promises, hold on to hope, hold on to Jesus. When we're ready to give up, let's remember this mother and let's keep on praying. 
Let's keep on worshiping. Let's keep on pushing through because that answer is on the way. And I love what Sam said this morning. You know, sometimes it just needs to trickle on down, but it is on the way. As we worship and as we push through, our fear is diminished and our faith is developed. Thirdly, this woman had ears to hear. Matthew 11:15 in the New Living Translation says that who anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. And Romans 10:17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This mother listened intently to what Jesus had and she saw beyond the words on the surface to the deeper meaning. And um, before she came to Jesus, she also must have heard about him from someone. And she made a decision that she was gonna believe the words about Jesus, about his miracles, about his power were true. And that's when she decided that she would come. So because she heard, she came to Jesus. Because she listened carefully to what Jesus said and saw the meaning behind his words, she persisted until she got her miracle. Her fearless faith shone through. What we hear and what we listen to shape our lives. It really does. Um, It's so important to ask ourselves, what voices are we listening to? Who are we listening to? Who is shaping what we feel and what we do and our response? Are we listening to the media? Which is not terrible, but if that's our dominant voice, it is a bit of a voice of fear. It can be quite scary and intimidating. Are we listening to people that maybe are really sound intellectually, but do they have the Spirit of God in them? Who are we listening to? Because if we don't get this right, it will take us somewhere. We have to listen to the right voice. And ultimately, that voice is God. Hearing, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We need to listen to these words more than anything else. I love what Tim said last Sunday. He said, we have got a letter of all letters written from the president of all presidents, but do we read it? Do we know it? Because we need to know what's in this book. We need to know the promises. We need to know what God says. We need to know that he's gonna be with us, that nothing is impossible. And when those situations come up in our lives, do we have enough to quote the scriptures? Do we have enough to have them in our heads so that we can go, oh no, that's right. I've not been given it right. I've not been given it right. I've not been given it right. I've not been given it. Whatever it might be, we gotta know this book. And I wanna encourage you. I'm always passionate about it, but even more so, with the world that we live in, you know, our our future can seem uncertain, but if we anchor it on these words, all is certain. It's not just a quick fix solve, but it will filter our thinking. If what we're thinking on is what's in this book, we will grow in faith. We will become people of fearless faith. We can't help it. These words are life. These words are truth. And if we meditate on them, we don't have to be Bible scholars. I'm not one. I'm not a big thinker. But you know, all we need to do is read it, get it into our hearts, think on it, say it. I love what Joyce Meyer says. She says, um, say it, pray it, and do it. Say it, pray it, do it. Simple, but so effective. What voices are we listening to? Can I encourage you? Let's listen to the word of God. You know, I feel like that's why that song, The Blessing, is so powerful, because it's just the word of God. And so as we sing it, it's like something just gets a hold of us. And it's, it's what God's word does. And you know, we can't just always look at the promises of the word, we have gotta look at the instructions as well. What does God say that we should do? How should we live? What should we think on? 
The word of God is so powerful. And the more we get the word of God into our hearts, we will grow into that fearless faith. Number four, finally, she believed. This woman believed. And this was the key. If the Canaanite woman had not believed, she would not have come to Jesus, but she did believe. She believed what they said about him. She believed fully that Jesus would and could heal her daughter. And because she believed, she was willing to do whatever it took to get close to Jesus, close enough to receive her miracle. Because she believed, she was willing to act in a counterculture way. Because she, was, because she believed, even when the disciples said, Lord, send her away, she stayed. She kept on going. Because she believed, she received. Sometimes I wonder how my life would be different if I really believed every single thing about God. If I believed that he was all this book says he is and could do all this book says he could do, how would my life change? I do believe, but sometimes I'm like the man in Mark 9.24 who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. No, we believe, but we have these barriers. So we've got to keep getting this word in us and keep pushing our faith forward so that we can really believe because when we believe, we need to act on those beliefs. It's one thing to say we believe. It's another thing to act out on those beliefs. This action that we would have is called fearless faith. Fearless and increase in faith. It's time to increase in faith. It's time to put action to our beliefs. It's time to get on our knees. It's time to get desperate. If the musos could come, they'd be great. You know what I love about the story is the desperation of this lady moved her to be completely radical. There was nothing that she was uh, not going to do to get to Jesus because she was absolutely desperate. And I feel like God says to me and maybe to some of you this morning, when are you going to get desperate? When are you really going to get desperate enough to do whatever it takes to get your miracle? When are you going to get desperate enough to get on your knees and, and find me and, and not stop until you hear my voice? When are you going to get desperate enough to pray and pray and pray until your society and your street changes? When are we going to get that holy dissatisfaction that we've been hearing about? Because I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I don't want to keep living for me. I want to empty myself of myself and let God fill me. I want to live for Him. It's the only life, really, but it takes desperation. And we've got to make a choice. You know, I can't just say, right, I'm going to get desperate. That's it. We've got to choose. We've got to choose to worship. We've got to choose to kneel before God. We've got to choose to press through, to keep on going, no matter how hard it gets. We've got to choose to know this book, to listen to the right voices. And we've got to choose to keep on believing.